this time that you have right now with your mom is the best it's going to be. The farther this disease progresses, the worse it gets. So do everything you can now to enjoy her. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. Alzheimer's, dementia, what's going on here? He stands beside the window. He watches cars go by. He waves at everybody. He's just a friendly guy. He doesn't know what it is. He doesn't talk much anymore. Sometimes he cries when he means to laugh. Doctors say he can tell that. And I come to visit. And I take him out on drives. And he wants to go home with every time But the nurses come to take him back to his room that's waiting And I fight to keep my tears inside From his window He waves goodbye Have you been forgetful lately? Anybody can miss an appointment or misplace their car keys, their cell phone, their purse. But what if it's more serious than that? Today we're looking at normal, and at times not so normal, age-related memory issues and memory loss. And at what point does intervention need to be made when there's a struggle with memory? I'm Dr. Greg Jantz, and this is Life, Love, and Family. Maybe you live with somebody. And this is some observations that you've seen and, and you're beginning to worry or wonder about them. Inside, if it's you, you can feel really embarrassed. You go, what's happening? This has happened way too many times. I know I set my purse there and you didn't. I know somebody who had certain scriptures well memorized that they had known since they were a little kid, really. And... And asking them to repeat back one of these verses that I knew they knew, there was a long pause, and he couldn't say it. He knew it, and the words wouldn't come out of his mouth. Now, we all have to deal with memory issues at some point, and what I'm talking about today is, at what point, you know, it crosses the line, and these are lapses in our memory, we're seeing it increase, and it's with somebody that we really love, and there's certain words that come to our mind, we're wondering about, is this Alzheimer's? dementia, what's going on here? And then when it's ourselves, well, I'll talk about what happens when we tend to go through this ourselves a little bit later. Some things I want you to be sure to have notation of because it's something we all need to be aware of. Kara's in the studio with me today talking about memory loss, memory issues, and I know you've had an experience. I have. I, I can really relate to the, the fears and the worry this brings up. My mother had Alzheimer's. And so there's always that looming thing. If I forget my car keys, is that the first sign for me? Yes. <laughs> We've all been touched by this. Yeah. Somebody in our family. And sometimes, let me just say it, it's kind of scary. Yeah. It triggers emotion. And for the person experiencing it can trigger emotion. I had somebody tell me, like, I'm losing it. And I'm so ashamed. I, I feel like I'm losing it. 
let's just also say that most of us, including myself, we go from here to there in our thoughts and we may not have an organic in our brain type of memory loss. You're just so stressed out and so distracted and you look like you have adult attention issues and you're all over the map and really bottom line it is, is, is you're drinking those 10 cups of coffee a day and you are high on the sugar intake and you're not sleeping well and you're going through a temporary season of what appears to be memory loss. That's different. We may all have periods like that. It's a time of stress and you can't concentrate and you even tried to read your Bible today and you've read the same chapter in the Bible. You've read it several times over because <laughs> right. you can't concentrate. Mm -hmm. It's a situational episode because of stress in your life. It's a period where you've lost a lot of sleep because it's real stressful and your memory function isn't that great right now. We all have seasons like that. Not talking about that today, but I'm talking about when seasons of memory impairment continue and continue, whether it's you or somebody that you really love and care about, and you're wondering, how do I handle this? There are some things we need to talk about today. And one of these is, I've mentioned it, it's sleep, lack of it. And I used to work in sleep research. We know that a sleep deprivation will cause us to, at times, misperceive We'll even believe that we've seen or heard things that aren't there when sleep deprivation goes way off. We will also, it'll affect our moods, it'll affect our ability to concentrate, and it'll affect what we call our short-term memory, that ability to put things in the short-term that we can easily call back up. Those temporary episodes where we struggle with memory tend not to impact the old memories, the memories of childhood, the memories of significant vacations, the memories of high points or low points in your life, those seem to be intact. It's just all the new stuff I can't handle. Deficiencies even in certain nutrients, vitamins such as B1, B12, those B-complex vitamins, they have a lot to do with memory. If you're depressed, memory's probably not that great. We even know that prescription medications and some over-counter medications can cause temporary memory loss. I want to say early on today in the program, if you're living with somebody that you're seeing these things with, what does this trigger for you? What's it like to be with a loved one and you're starting to see memory impairment issues? What does that do to you? How are you handling that? I'd like to talk about some suggestions for that as well. If you are struggling or you're really concerned about a loved one and they seem to be having trouble with their memory, you can call us. 888-771-5166. Smoking can affect memory. Mm. We know that heavy alcohol use and alcoholism prevents certain memories from being stored. We know that it affects different sleep stages. Even thyroid conditions can affect memory. One we have not mentioned is head trauma. person who's had a concussion. I'm the founder at the center, A Place of Hope. And I believe you've got to look at all the factors and look at the different pieces emotionally, physically, is there something off, even spiritually. I got to tell you one that happened to me growing up in a small Midwest town. My mother forgot me in the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> yep. My mom forgot me, left me in the grocery cart somehow. And she shared that. Forgetting things such as a child 
the huge shame that can come from that. Mm. Something must be terribly wrong. How could I have done this? You may have had something happen to you that caused you to go, how could I have? Memory issues can make you feel shameful if there's something wrong with me and I don't know. And then we're less likely to do anything about it. Have you had a shameful event happen? We have a question from Lydia. She says she thinks her husband is having some of these memory issues and she's not sure how to talk to him about it. He doesn't want to hear it. He's resistant to go to the doctor. And usually this is what happens. We'll notice it with somebody close to us and then we'll get this little gut feeling that, oh, something's not quite right. And then we're usually afraid to say anything about it. Here's what happens. You said something, you go, we already talked about that, or this has you know, come up before. What you get back at times can be really defensive. Right. It's a strong reaction. So that's one of the signs. A defended, strong reaction really can take you to a place of, okay, there is an issue here. Generally, when we're a little more humble, we go, okay, then we receive information. But here's what happens. And Lydia, good question. We do. We have to keep intervening. We do have to request. I'm going to make the appointment for you. I love you. A couple different memory tests, some things that can be done at the doctor's office just as a point of initial feedback. So we want to do that and gather some initial information. And I find most spouses or most loved ones have to actually say, I'm concerned, I love you, we're just going to have this checked out. I have went ahead and made the appointment with your doctor. And there's going to be some repercussions from that. You've got to intervene because this is one of those things that if you don't, you're going to regret it. So Lydia, go for it. Intervene. Be bold. Be strong. Know that you're going to have reactions. And having those reactions probably means a person will be defensive it's okay. Today on Life, Love, and Family, the subject is memory loss. Hi, Ken. Tell us your story. I just have a lot of memory issues where I have to have people fill in. I kind of give them clues like I'm, like okay. I'm playing. I don't know. Let me ask uh, you, because so some of this can really yeah. cause us some alarm. Can you just help us understand how has this affected you? Very embarrassing. It's very demeaning. I used to think I was pretty sharp. Names that I should know and and then having to try to remember names or a place and then having to give them clues to help me remember the place that I've tried to tell them about. So it's, it's really an ongoing action. went to a neurologist, and she gave me a couple of short memory tests. Yes. I seem to be okay with it. Probably, and I'm not a young guy. I'm 73, but nevertheless, I don't think that's an excuse. I'm right, right. a lot older than I am. That, that has that very sharp, so. Anyway, she said, well, if you're really concerned, we can give you a testing. Because I was concerned in case, you know, but on the early stage of Alzheimer's, I'd like to have my kids know about it. And I'm sure that they're also aware of my memory loss, and they kind of have to fill in the conversations. Too, which is what, have you tried anything, Ken, to help? Are you doing anything? Well, I, I have. I've tried to, you know, take some vitamins, like you had suggested, too. Right. And also, I had, there was some infomercial one night that claimed that they had this medication you could take or whatever. This thing is supposed to really increase your memory. Right. I've taken it for three months, and I don't see that there's any improvement there at all. So. Okay. Are you doing anything that could be affecting your memory? You know, some of the things that you mentioned, I do seem to be under quite a bit of stress, and I also you know, suffer from depression, although I take uh, you know, medication for right. that. I'm still trying to stay active. I'm working six hours a day for five days a week, which really helps, too. It's just 
back to getting me out. What about exercise? And, Are you getting you out? You know, I need to do that more. I need to do that more. Well, what if, too, what so. if I said today you're to be out there 20 minutes minimum, 30 minutes if it's a walk, where you're doing something five days a week? That would be a good plan. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. In fact, I belong to the, I belong to a fitness program. Yeah. Fitness yeah. Club, but I just don't utilize like I should. I, I get in routine and I'm okay for a while and I start slacking off. One of the things, and I know it sounded so simple, to be of real help is our physical activity you know, releasing the chemicals in the brain, the endorphins. Uh-huh. And, and so this does make a difference. And I just want to make sure you're doing it. Yeah, well, no. All right. <laughs> well, let's right. get moving. Okay. <laughs> yeah, God bless time. you. Can't really describe for us today that typical pattern where you see it happening and yet you go, okay, well, I know I should do a few things. And it's hard to stay with those few things. And one of them is, is exercise. Did you know that proper hydration, drinking enough water, will help improve one's memory? If you're dehydrated, it's a handicap to our memory. So I liked Ken because Ken wasn't defensive about this. He's just saying, this is what I'm experiencing, and that's a really good sign. Here's one of the things you need to look for. If it starts to happen to you, you're going to get agitated. It's going to be frustrating And frustration over and over as it relates to memory develops a sense of just general agitation. And then I might feel that shame I mentioned earlier where I just, I'm trying to hide it and trying to cope. Trying to cope enters in. It's a signal that, gee, something's wrong here. And fear enters the picture. And you feel anxious. And there's something around this whole thing with memory and I'm losing it. And it's scary. and, And I began to feel anxiety and fear has entered in. So this is, I want you to look for agitation. And really what comes alongside that is that of depression. I'm going to begin to feel isolated, disconnected. If I can't remember things, I get disconnected. And I may feel like I just kind of give up. Mm. And I don't really do things that could be of help to me. So look for agitation, entrance of fear and anxiety both an emotional and a physical depression. It's the physical depression that you know, my body's not working well, my brain's not functioning well, and that fear and depression and anxiety, you kind of cycle back and forth between all of those. And this is an embarrassing situation. It's shameful. And you may even have people, loved ones, that may say to you, I love you and it's normal. It's Everything's okay. And they'll try to, clothe this memory issue with reassurances about this is normal and and give you that reassurance of love. Now, it may not be normal. We may need to dig deeper, and that's where we really literally want to deal with reality and what's going on. Today on Life, Love, and Family, we're talking about memory-related problems. We've mentioned the whole-person approach at the center, a place of hope. And you can reach Dr. Jantz there at his website, aplaceofhope.com. Really, it's that working memory. How much can I really juggle? You know, there was a study. I did a book on boys and how boys learn. And one of the things we did was we looked at some studies related to multitasking. Mm. And multitasking is you think you can do a lot of things at the same time. And the whole idea of more than two or three things at a time and people think, well, I can do this. But in reality, 
when re-quizzed and, and asked and what they remembered when they're trying to do two or three different tasks at the same time, over time, is they didn't score so well. Do you know, men, we didn't score so well on multitasking greater than, you know, average of three things working on at a time. So, so let's just, how does this work? Well, I'm talking on the phone, I'm on my computer, and I'm watching something on television. There's an example. And I think I can do all three and then I'm quizzed on what do I remember about all three of those activities, and I don't do that great, really. <laughs> all right, I'm going to also share on multitasking, though. Women scored a little better. Not a lot, but they did <laughs> score a little better. This is why we, you know, women in multitasking um, has to do with how that brain's wired. We have a question from Alice. She took her mom in because there's been a lot of things that she's noticed. Battery of tests, there's no real one Alzheimer's test. It's kind of a process of elimination. And she says, yeah, the doctors really think this is what's going on. And so now Alice says, okay, I'm going to be her caregiver. What do I do? One of the things is we can't do this one alone. Right. This really got to be two caregivers at minimum involved. Working with somebody with memory impairment or Alzheimer's can create for us a lot of secondary stress that we're not always aware of the impact because it creates a, even a layer of worry. We're going to worry, if she's going to remember to turn the stove off? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you start to really be preoccupied with all the what ifs. So this needs to be shared by somebody else. And we need to do an honest appraisal. At what point is this too much for me as a caregiver or caregivers? Does this person need some additional help that's going to serve them better? That's an important one. Mm -hmm. I've seen people wait too long and the caregivers are so overly burdened, stressed out that their family and their relationships are suffering to such a degree. They're suffering because they're not getting rest, they're worried. And so the caregivers really no longer are that effective because the secondary stress has impacted them and their families and their self-care and they're not doing well. So there reaches a time where we say, you know what, for the sake of everyone, we've got to get additional help. And, you know, this is why one of the things we're seeing more and more, in fact, I drive past one of these places on my way into the studio. It says memory impairment facility. We're seeing different terms to describe these, but Facilities that were known as even retirement renamed and, and refocusing on this whole area of memory impairment because it's such a big need. And there are some very good ones that do a good job. Alice, we've got to take care of you as you take care of your mom and you can't do it alone. You know, I can share something just from personal experience on this one. I had my mother living with us for five and a half years and it was always very scary, leaving the stove on, doing the different things that she would do. She'd leave water running. We had to install locks on the door up above. So it was like a slide bolt lock, lock that would go to the top of the door frame so that she yeah. couldn't walk out of the house in the middle of the night, that kind of thing. It's a very, very hard time, but you're absolutely right. Any kind of support for the caregivers and the caregivers' families is also really important. And one more thing, Alice, if I can just add... This time that you have right now with your mom is the best it's going to be. It's a really hard truth. But the farther this disease progresses, the worse it gets. So do everything you can now to 
enjoy her, to get pictures with her and your kids if you have them, to share memories and stories and everything you can to really make this time as meaningful and special as you can, because this will be the thing that you remember later. We're going to prize and honor each and every day. Yeah, yeah. Memory impairment, Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's, dementia, forgetfulness. Mm -hmm. By whatever label, it is a memory issue that has different causes. And sometimes there's the great why, I don't know. Don't know why exactly. We'll become desperate to try many different things. There are some things we know that can be helpful. We have a question from Judy. She says she saw a documentary on Netflix called Alive Inside, and I guess it was about how music can unlock the minds of patients with dementia. This I've just become made aware of, and I'm going to say yes to music. It causes me to also think of a situation where hymn was sung that triggered for a person some recall, and they responded to the music through an old hymn. Yes, We know that music reaches us and activates parts of the brain and triggers neuron reactions in the brain. It's not a drug, it's music. And what if it's something that can be used to speak to them? How wonderful. Mm -hmm. So Judy, yes and yes. Music not only is a memory trigger, but it's also a mood elevator. And so you've got somebody who's really been depressed, there's really memory issues, and music, I think in terms of the Psalms and King David, the soothing of one's soul. And there was a question about elasticity of the brain, in other words, how resilient can the brain be? And we do lose brain cells, obviously, it would seem like at a rapid rate, but we do know that our brain has elasticity And it uses different pathways and different connections. And we're learning so much about the brain. I recently completed some training on brain imaging. We do know that certain drugs, cocaine, methamphetamines, we know that we can create real damaged hotspots in the brain with alcohol. And I'm going to add marijuana. And we look at these brain pictures. And you can actually see, here's somebody that's used for six months, and you can see these spots on the brain that are lit up. Now, some of these areas of the brain have to do with where memory, both short and long-term memory, is stored. Wow. So we're learning more and more about the brain. It's kind of the last frontier in medicine that there's so much attention being put on now. And I think we're going to find more and more help and interventions for memory issues i like to see and i've seen folks who are they're on their a tablet device they're on their computer and they're doing things that create for them in essence brain exercises you have somebody who's really struggling but you watch them they'll go over and and there's a muscle memory they will actually be able to use a keypad and remember that and you'll see their fingers going But if you were to ask them to put words in a conversation, that may not happen, but they have that ability to use the keyboard and to do certain things on the computer that otherwise we wouldn't even know that they would be able to do. I wanted to share from my heart today because this is something that we're being touched with and you could have a family member that's had a stroke or there's been something that's happened and it's impaired memory and you love this person so much, 
and it's difficult for you and for them and suddenly there is a canyon between the two of you can't reach them like you used to and you so desperately want to we have a promise from second corinthians talks about not losing heart outwardly ultimately we are wasting away but the good news is through his spirit we are being renewed and we do have a future and a hope i'm trying hard not to Heavenly Father, if you know my heart, surely you can read my mind. Good people underneath the sea of grief, some get up and walk away, some will find ultimate relief. Home free, eventually, at the ultimate healing, we will be home. Have you been struggling with forgetfulness lately? And are you trying to hide your symptoms from your family? Don't let your fears over what may be keep you from getting help you need now to improve your life. Most people who wait regret they didn't get help sooner. Now, as you've listened today, this is a very real issue. We all know somebody who's been impacted by it. And it could be that today, for the first time, you realize that your loved one needs some help sooner, not later. Or you realize, wow, this is me and I need to do something. Let's begin the intervention that says, I'm going to stop the progression and do something today. I'm Dr. Greg Jantz, founder of the center, A Place of Hope. Together with Dr. Tim Clinton and Life, Love and Family, we have resources that you need to get the ball rolling. And you can call us anytime. Here's the number, 855-455-3264. When you call that number, say, I need help. I need a resource. I need to know where do I go for help. The number's 855-455-3264. Thank you for listening to Life, Love, and Family. You can share this program get more information, you can begin today to take those steps. Go to the website, lifeloveandfamily.net. 
God's desire for you is to have a life that's peaceful and has joy. And you can trust in Him to provide you a direction and wisdom. And let's do that today. Life, Love, and Family You know the feeling where you're tired and unmotivated and sometimes you get mad for no reason. And maybe you don't like what it's doing to your family or to your job. That's why the Center for Counseling and Health Resources has been there for people for more than 30 years. They take a whole person care approach that'll look at everything from your nutrition, your vitamin balances, your mind, your spirit. Call 1-888-771-5166 or for help right now visit aplaceofhope.com. 